Welcome back to the Marvel Movie Minute, a daily podcast in which we dig in deep to analyze the films of the Marvel Cinematic Universe one minute at a time. I'm Andy Nelson from thenextreel.com. We are looking at John Favreau's 2008 film, Iron Man. And uh, once again, joining me, I have Jonathan and Chris from the Minute Impossible podcast. Hey, guys. Hello. Hey, how you doing? Well, we are looking at Iron Man Minute 53 today. Minute 53 starts with Pepper asking Tony what he wants to do with his old RT device. And it ends with Rhodey talking to some student pilots about why he thinks unmanned planes never will best manned ones. Yay, we get Rhodey minutes. Yes, you get some roadie <laughs> minutes, and we, uh, we're we going to be done with this surgery here. Yeah, this is the end of the surgery. Thank goodness. Yeah, this is uh, this is it. We um, are post-surgery. Tony's removing all the, the diodes, and he hops up, and uh, Pepper's... I like how she just shakes her hands. She doesn't go to a sink or anything. She just gives it a good old shake, gets all the... Gets all the goo all over the floor. <laughs> He's an engine. He is just uh, now, and we've and we've also decided. I know this kind of came up later, and it came up kind of earlier on, and so maybe you talked about it, Andy. He's basically now run by this arc reactor. Like the first one kept him alive, yes, but it also kind of gave him energy. I mean, he basically is immortal, right? Won't this power him forever? When Yinsen uh, and he are talking about it in the cave, he uh, he's talking to him about the amount of power it puts out. And he and Yinsen's like, that could power your heart for 50 lifetimes. And he says, or something really big for uh, 20 minutes. And then he ends up in the Mark I suit, which is the thing that he powers. The arc reactor keeps going, obviously, and it keeps him alive. I don't know if it's depleted with kind of that energy and now it's just working as the electromagnet to keep his to keep his uh, heart stable but obviously there is quite a bit of power that he's created with these arc reactors so yes i would say if he has it in his chest theoretically i mean he can be going for quite a long time so basically he'll have to you know maybe the next movie there'll be some repercussions to this new even more powerful arc reactor the problem that he's perpetually running into, as he said, you know, it can power your heart for 50 lifetimes or something really big for 20 minutes. And and he made a better machine. But obviously, by by actually building a whole suit that is it's also operating, I think that's probably preventing him from extending his life abnormally. I don't want to go too far in advance, but his suit now is made of nanites. Where does the power come from? I know we'll get to it in five years, but <laughs> I'm, as we're, I'm standing here looking at his chest right now and looking at that arc reactor in his chest, and I'm just like, "Where does the power come from now?" This is what well, nerds he's got well, that, that's that other little that little triangular one on his chest. He doesn't have that in, though. In the next movie, after three, he doesn't have a chest piece, but he does have it in, in the the last Avengers movie. Right. I'm talking about no, in the last yeah. no last one, he does not have it. It just. Yeah, I mean, he's got it, like a triangular, sure. triangular uh, thing on his chest in, in Infinity War. But where does it come from? It's an interesting issue that uh, I I don't know if I've ever figured out because it, the, I don't even understand how he powers a suit from it. Like, is it just the contact? Like, it's the same thing with the Mark One suit. He had to, for whatever reason, he had to cut a hole in his shirt so it was protruding from his shirt. 
so that it, I, I guess, could be touching the suit and that gave the suit its power. Right. It's not like he's plugging into something. And that's, you know, I've never quite understood how that works. No, it's like it's like the, the Apple Watch where, you know, they charge up when they touch it. Oh, it's an induction. It's just induction based. Yeah. That's what I'm assuming. When he puts the Iron Man suit on and it's in contact with the device, then all of a sudden it's giving it all the power it needs. Yeah, because it, it doesn't expose it, – it must plug in from the front on some level. Yeah. Because when he puts the suit on later on, his new suit, it kind of like, you know, it kind of grinds and winds in on it. And then it like covers it with the, the round pl- plate, you know. So yeah. uh, there's something happening. I, I love it. Uh, I was just wondering where the nanites, where it came from. But I don't know. You'll get there. You'll get there. Uh, I'll get there. I'll be an old man by the time I do, but one of these days I'll get to talk about nanites. Too old. <laughs> yeah, they'll, they'll be the new Avengers or, or West Coast Avengers at that point, you know? They'll be the young Avengers. Young Avengers, yeah, exactly. I am very curious to see where they go in Phase 4 and beyond. Our, our Guardians of the Galaxy 3 will finally come out, one of the two. Oh, God. If ever. If ever. If ever. Right. If ever, exactly. I'm looking, I'm looking at, I'm looking at uh, Dummy 2. Dumb 2. To see what that that is definitely a, I, a. I don't know if it's I I don't well it's dummy and dumb you are the two right. and I don't know uh, which one is which and <laughs> I, I can't tell which one this is because you can't see close enough to see what's written on the side. You think it's the second one though? I think it's the smarter of the two. I don't think he lets dummy do much. This one doesn't seem to need to be talked to. Well, because he does start talking bad, talking down to this one later. As as Pepper's walking away, he's like, "Hey, the, all this stuff here gets got to go out of the garage, you know." Yeah, but he only tells it once. Well, uh, into the garbage. Yeah. yeah. It, well, and that was that was a strange little moment because uh, you know it, I I couldn't tell if he was trying to make a joke with Pepper because you know he's telling her you know this just throw it away, incinerate it, get rid of this thing. I don't want it anymore. And he goes over to the table and he is like, you know, uh, you know, I'm not nostalgic. And then he goes to the table and he's just like. See this? This is this is my phone. This is my picture of me and my dad. Throw it all in the garbage. And then he turns to look at her, but she's just walking out, almost as if he was, he thought he was trying to make a joke and trying to be funny, but it failed. Oh, you think that he was just trying to be goofy? Yeah, I, I, I think so, too. Like, throw all this stuff that's really my... Because he just said he's not nostalgic. No, I think you're right. Because he was just talking about nostalgia, right? And then and then he's telling Dummy to, like, clean, clean the table. Throw yeah. away this picture of me and my dad. Uh, that's yeah, same that's here. the impression that I got. I, I've never really noticed that in the scene before, but but rewatching it uh, so many times uh, to for this minute, I, I started thinking that. But I I don't know. That's a good your your notes better than mine. I thought he was just. I thought he was. <laughs> I thought he was acting out and trying to be like, well, just get rid of everything. No, you're right. He is telling a joke. That's subtle. I would I've never <laughs> noticed that. Hey, minute by minute works. Uh, there you go. And, well, that's funny because she walks away and he and, you know, we get the rack focus back to him and he kind of looks at her like, did she catch the joke? But she didn't. And so I like how he just kind of like drums his fingers on the uh, on the arc reactor on his chest, you know, like, you know, well, that we've all fly. been there. <laughs> we've all told jokes that haven't landed with a woman <laughs> on a daily basis. <laughs> now, now, <laughs> now we, we, we were talking about it yesterday about the light and whether it was coming from Dummy or not. Now, it, when we cut to this shot, the wide shot of it, Dummy's not on him, but the light's still there. But as yeah. soon as he starts to move up, the light disappears and Dummy moves, and the the little blue light on Dummy disappears too. So 
I'm trying to see if that's what they were trying to get at, that he was the light or what? No, because the second three, Dummy's not even near him and the light's on him. No, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, I feel like Dummy is so far away that it wouldn't make sense for it to be Dummy. It's not Dummy. Yeah. Look, Dummy, it's not Dummy. No. It is interesting, like the amount of technology. This is an interesting shot because we've got, we haven't seen this shot before in the scene, but now we have like this glass screen kind of between us mm -hmm. and where Tony is that has an image of the arc reactor yeah. saying system, system online. Yeah, we'll get some a little bit later this week, but that's like our first 3D visualization in this movie. It's not, yeah, it's not quite 3D. It's, it's that glass technology where it's playing on the right. glass. And, and we've seen some of that obviously in his house because it plays on the windows mm -hmm. uh, when Jarvis is putting stuff up. But it's getting to that point where we're going to start seeing some more interesting uh, elements for sure. And that's for us is, oh God, it's, it's our meat and potatoes. We are huge tech fans. We have a whole section about tech on our podcast. And we talk about it. So uh, anytime this <laughs> is coming up, I'm so excited. I can't wait. I can't wait for can't wait for later weeks <laughs> or later 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 days in the week. Yeah, you're gonna get some fun stuff later. Yep. Uh, in this minute, though, we, we're I mean, the tech is all the medical stuff. Still, uh, the screen behind um, Pepper initially it had uh, an image of uh, Tony lying there as he was under the surgery, and now that he's done. He is not on the screen, although I do think it's interesting that the last screen we were looking at in the last minute still had him on the screen. And before he pulls the diodes off, the screen is already blank. So it's uh, I, it's just like on the cut, they decided to just remove that image. Did you see you were talking about how they got in there? It looks like he yeah, it looks like they definitely bore a hole yeah. in his sternum. Yeah, it's just the placement of that. It's just like I, I can't imagine that was an easy surgery to go through. Both for the doctor and for the patient. Right, right. That is just no fun at all. Yeah, like I said, it, it seemed like it would be a messy thing, you know? <laughs> yeah, Jensen needed some good earplugs for all the moaning and screaming that Tony was probably yeah. doing for weeks in that cave. Ugh. Can't even imagine. Going back to that glass barrier that we have here, this is uh, an interesting end of this scene where he kind of talks about this lack of nostalgia and all this. And and it almost I like that the glass is kind of between us and him, but not Pepper, which is an interesting way to kind of separate that emotional side of him all of a sudden right now because he's you know this lack of nostalgia. And then she kind of picks up on it. And she's like, will that be all, Mr. Stark? That's all, Miss Potts. And it's an interesting kind of way to kind of end this scene that had a lot of connection between the two of them. And I enjoy that. Yeah. Because for him, it's he's 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 over it emotionally. Yep. Because if you look on the screen to the right, it says system online. So to yep. him, everything's good. I mean, he stood right back up. He's not even there's nothing. He's good. He was having he was in cardiac arrest. Right. Right. A minute ago. And now it's all good. All good. He's laughing. He's smiling. He's hopping up. He's showing off his chest. All that. It's just it. It works. Mm. It works. Uh, he he is a, a very functioning robot. Is basically what he is. His system is online. With a bad with a bad goatee haircut. <laughs> <laughs> the worst. I love Tony Stark, but that is the worst. I mean, I know it's him from the mo com movies and comic books, and it's so him, but it's so bad. As a man with a beard, it's so bad. It has that 80s super trimmed look to it. Very, very manicured. Yeah. Like he was in an 80s boy band or 
90s boy band like Color Me Bad or something? It's it's we couldn't even come up with anything different. So just give him Dr. Strange's face. Yeah. <laughs> Dr. Strange, he had the exact same horrible facial hair. They've just changed it in the movies. And his facial hair does get better as the movies go along, too. So that's a plus, you know. It does. It turns more into a goatee and yeah. not this weird mustache upside down handlebar thing with the weird triangles on the ends. Yeah. Awful. Yeah. The, the way that it kind of goes up is kind of a strange little strange twist up there. He looks like an evil magician, <laughs> just like Dr. Strange. Well, in a way, he kind of is. He is. <laughs> exactly. I was going to say he kind of is. Yeah. With his mind yeah. and his brain. And it works very well. Fingers. <laughs> In this scene, toward the end, as Pepper's walking away, we get a view of the windows at the back of the workshop, and we can see the ocean. As you know, the whole room upstairs also has beautiful views of the ocean and everything. Although they're curved windows, here we get these straight windows. And what I find peculiar is if you follow the path of the stairs coming down from where they are upstairs to downstairs here... This is at a 90 degree angle to the upstairs windows. So it, 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 I, I always am like, how is this fitting into this house? I mean, it seems like this house has to have a, a perfect 90 degree point at some point along the exterior. And I don't believe it does. So it seems like it's all circles. Yeah. Right. 10, 10, 8, 80 Malibu point. As, as he says in three, yep. I'm going to keep bringing up three. <laughs> uh, well, it's not there anymore. So you won't be able to find it. No. If he wants to live in a, if he wants to live in a, wants to live in a donut, let him live in a donut. <laughs> Movie's that, Chris? Oh, you got me right there. I can't think of it now. It doesn't want any what right angles. This house is not supposed to have any right angles. What do you mean it's not supposed to have any right angles? If a guy wants to live in a donut, he can live in a donut. It's uh, Beverly Hills Cop. I can't remember. I don't remember that from that movie. Beverly Hills Cop. That's right. Beverly Hills Cop Two. Beverly Hills Cop Two. Yes, Two. When he goes and he steals those people's house, he's like, "How do you steal a house?" Yes. He goes up to uh, some construction workers. <laughs> he's like, "Are you working on yeah. the you know the Maitland's house?" And they're like, "Like, yeah." He's like, "These are the wrong plans." They're like the wrong plans. He's like, "Yeah, this house isn't supposed to have any right angles." <laughs> uh, kind of like Tony Stark's house. <laughs> exactly like, like Tony. What Stark's do you mean house. it doesn't have any right angles? Like, if he wants to live in a donut, let him live in a donut. <laughs> uh, and Tony Stark lives in a giant white donut. And we're in the bottom of that donut, but not for long because we're, we're heading over to Edwards Air Force Base. Unless you guys have anything else about the surgery scene in Tony's workshop. Nah, we've talked about Tony enough. Let's move on. Let's talk about Terrence Howard. Yeah, we are heading back to Edwards Air Force Base. This is where they filmed all the stuff earlier that was part of Stark Aviation, although I'm assuming that now it is not Stark Aviation. I'm guessing it must be Edwards Air Force Base playing itself at this point. So what it seems like. Yeah, but I mean, it, it seems like it's acting like an Air Force. I mean, Tony has no problem getting on base, but he's a uh, weapons. Yeah, he's one of those guys who's they're going to let on whenever he wants. Interestingly, they're filming the stuff that we got that establishing shot of the jet taxiing on the runway. That's the same area where they were filming the scene when he arrived back from Afghanistan. Mm. But it's just shot a different yeah. way, so it doesn't quite look the same. So I guess to that end, I mean, I've never really paid attention to it, but I don't think I ever assumed it was the same place. Yeah, that's one of those things where they just cleverly change it and it costs them nothing. Exactly, <laughs> right. We go inside and we see, uh, as you said, good old Terrence Howard as Rhodey. He is walking with some student pilots, kind of talking to them about manned flights versus unmanned flights. This is a scene that has never been one of my favorites in the film. I always kind of struggle with it because it just seems like 
we'll talk more about it tomorrow as the scene continues, but it just, it feels like it's stuck in just to make sure that we remember that Rhodey's in the movie. Yeah. Oh, uh, I'm, I have a note and it plays into yours. The reason why this isn't a good scene is because Terrence Howard is not good and I don't like him. So, um, <laughs> just so you know, I am, I am not a Terrence Howard fan, uh, especially this movie. Interesting. I can't, I can't imagine him going forward with the rest of the films either. I mean, He's one of the, he was, he was my least favorite part about this movie. I was like, all right, I don't want to hate on him and not have anything to back it up. So I was like, all right, I'm going to go find a movie that I like him in. And I had to go all the way back. Wait, which one did I get? Oh, uh, to 1995's Mr. Holland's Opus. <laughs> wow. And he's in it for two seconds as the kid with no rhythm that dies in Vietnam. Oh, interesting. Right. And I was like, I do not like Terrence Howard in movies. And people love Terrence Howard. Did you see Hustle and Flow? Yes. I thought he was great in Hustle and Flow. I like that. I loved Hustle and Flow. Yeah, he was great in that. I didn't love Hustle and Flow. I was like, uh, but also, I don't know. I was trying. I tried. I was like, I got to find something. There's, I, I go, I'm probably thinking, oh, I, uh, you know, with hyperbole. I hate him. No, I hate him. <laughs> I especially don't like whatever this voice is he's doing in this movie. I don't want my roadie to talk like this. I don't like my roadie to talk. It's like his approximation of his white man voice, you know? It's weird. It's really high and it's very I, weird. I don't know. It's affected. And it does it's not what he talks like. It is a strange scene. And and just this whole thing, it, like why is Roadie the one who's walking student pilots around in the first place? Like yeah. I, I don't understand what they're going for with this scene. And obviously there's a gag here with this whole manned versus unmanned flights thing that he's talking about we'll get more of that tomorrow but i don't know it's just it's an awkward we cut to this and i you know i know we're going to talk about tony more tomorrow I and mean, maybe we can just save the conversation to for tomorrow but it's just it's it's a strange scene and i just really inevitably always struggle with it when i get to this point this feels like a reshoot this feels like a scene that they later on, when they cut the movie together for the first rough cut, they said, I don't like that Terrence Howard shows up again after meeting his friend from and getting him back from Afghanistan. He, he meets him at the airport. I don't like the next time we see him is in that control room when he's Iron Man and he's flying. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. He's flying over uh, wherever he is in Afghanistan again. Right. And he's being followed. I, I don't I think they went. Yeah. We need to remind people who Rhodey is. I think that's what it was. And I think they literally, because this, it seems half-assed. It seems like they shot this, and we'll get to it tomorrow, the stuff with RDJ, but it's, it, it feels like we gotta have a scene to put eight extras in flight suits and let's just do this. There is a scene in the script that takes place that, that actually does connect these two scenes better, although I still don't think it goes anywhere. In the script, Tony is working on, on his boots already. He's kind of created some metal boots. And Jarvis is trying to help him and he's got a, you know, these boots aren't made for walking joke. We kind of get a similar scene. He's trying to do 10% and, and he overshoots it with the boots and crashes. It's a lot of that same scene, but then he's like, I think I know what this needs. And then it cuts to him coming in to talk to Rhodey and it makes it seem like there's an element that he needs to get from Rhodey. And so he's coming to talk to Rhodey about it to get it. But then the scene still ends the same where he just walks out. He doesn't get anything from Rhodey. So all in all, it's just like this weirdly placed scene that just only feels like it's like, hey, remember Rhodey? He's in this movie, too. Yeah, it's it's weird, especially when you look at the rest of the movies and you see who Rhodey is. I think that it's like, oh, 
these other scenes may mean something. Yeah. This scene is definitely one that doesn't. Yeah, no, I agree. I feel like it would have been fine if we did wait until later to see him. Like, I, I don't know if we needed to have him here. That seems like a call on the part of the studio. We have to remind them that <laughs> they're going to forget that Rhodey's in this movie. That's why I'm doing a Terrence Stamp impression. That's why I'm talking like this. I'm Rhodey. Look at me. I'm Rhodey. You mean Terrence Howard, not Terrence Stamp. Sorry, did I say Terrence Stamp? Oh, that would have been weird. That would have been more Neil before. I'm Rhodey. That'd be awesome, actually. If, it, if Terrence Stamp played Rhodey? <laughs> yeah, we don't... Uh, no, we don't need to replace a... Uh, oh, right. A canonically black right. <laughs> actor with, <laughs> with an old Terrence With an Stamp. old white guy. No, we don't need to go there. An old British white guy. We are looking at a few planes here. We've got the Lockheed Martin F-22 Raptor. It's taxiing on the runway. And then we see one sitting in this hangar that they're in. And then behind it is the Northrop Grumman RQ-4 Global Hawk. That is the unmanned plane. Goodness gracious. I don't know any of these. And then, of course, in the background, we do see that uh, C-17 Globemaster that we had talked about in uh, previous minutes when Tony came back from Afghanistan. Cool. So, um, yeah. You know, I, I want to jump back real quick to the previous scene. I forgot one little note I had about the editing of the workshop. This was just an interesting bit because most of it was done in those three shots. We've got the nice two shot and then the shot of Tony and the shot of Pepper. The two shot, which is the one where we see a lot of the work going on in his chest, that's about uh, one minute and 45 seconds of total time in the scene, which is about, all told, about three minutes and 23 seconds. So, I mean, it's it's like a half of that scene we're looking at that two shot and i just think that's a really effective way to play that chest technique that they're doing oh i agree yeah it's one of the only practical things they have in these kind of movies like make sure you show it guys sell it they're definitely going to get less and less practical stuff as they continue the series (laughs) yeah this movie was a lot more practical than most of the new ones are can you imagine now uh, when you, if you told them, you're like, all right, you guys are literally going to kick off movies where we're going to smooth old actors' faces and we're all good with it. It's, you're going to love it's it. It's crazy. Samuel Jackson's going to look 15 years younger. Okay. That's cool. For a whole movie. Yeah. <laughs> Kirk Douglas is going to be young Kurt Douglas. Or Michael. What? <laughs> Michael <laughs> Douglas. Excuse me. Oh my God. Can you imagine they did Kurt Douglas and they made him young? That'd be awesome. That'd be crazy. But, uh, and that would be crazy. And the Michelle Pfeiffer needs no work. That was amazing. No work whatsoever. Yeah. But it, I, I just, yeah, you're right. This scene in the hangar would definitely be all CG. They're hitting that point with these films where they are able to probably uh, just create most of the world that they need uh, digitally. Which is nuts. And I can't tell all the time. I mean, Chris and I, I'm sure you too, Andy, we watch enough movies that we can tell when it's... I mean, when you watch Pacific Rim 2, you're like, ugh, <laughs> what terrible yeah. effects. I can tell they're literally standing in a green room, a fan of menacing them, what, themselves around, and you're just like, you're just like, you're shuddering. They're like, you didn't even build like concrete floors so they could walk around on concrete. <laughs> right, right. Like it's like fake, like they're walking and you're like, I can tell they're not walking on concrete. <laughs> yeah, it feels like Marvel is like, like just a few years away from getting into that sort of Michael Crichton looker territory where they literally have all the actors downloaded and their images computerized. So they're just making the movies without the actors. Holy crap. I've not thought about the movie looker in years. I haven't even heard of the movie looker. There was another movie that just came, came out about that called the Congress. And it was a similar sort of thing, a little more artsy. Oh, Robin Wright. Yeah. Yeah. Robin Wright. Right. Where she's, uh, 
digitally scanning herself. And it's basically to kind of live on forever as a performer. And it's really, it's horrifying. Like that's uh, technology that people are thinking of. Susan Day from the Partridge family was like. Susan Day, Albert Finney. Uh, James, James Coburn. Coburn. Yeah. The point was of the movie was like they did these. Uh, I yep. still remember to this day, like they had someone who was perfect, like on screen when they looked at her. But the second she started turning yeah. her head, like perfect on her screen, perfection yeah. changed and it went down. And so what they did huh. was they created digital yeah. versions where it was always perfect and always kept your eye focused. Cause what they would do is they, cause the, cause the audience's focus was, was thrown off by their imperfection. Like they had Albert Finney look at right, something right, through right. these lenses and he's basically looking at a woman's breasts during this commercial. And they're like, if you notice this commercial was all made fit, this was all made uh, digitally. And what they did was they changed the camera angle so you can still ogle the woman, but they put the product in front of it. So it, and they actually huh. in the movie shift where the focus is. So they like this product is now three feet away from where you were looking. Now it's right in front of where you're looking, and it's it's a very weird. Interesting, interesting weird movie. Yeah, it, it's it's very yeah, and, and they've got this light gun thing that you know becomes like the main weapon. I mean, it's very Michael Crichton, like kind of ahead of its time in a lot of ways. Also but, incredibly uh, bonkers. <laughs> it, it's very futuristic and cool. Yeah. Yeah, very bonkers. Well, it sounds yeah. like the sort of movie that he would uh, be into, and uh, I see that nineteen eighty one Looker. Go, go, go! Uh, at least yeah. have a look, look, yep. looker at it. Uh, have a look it, at Looker. It, it it was it was on Filmstruck oh. before Filmstruck R. R. disappeared. Filmstruck. So that's that's why I watched it recently. Maybe it's on Voodoo. I don't know. Go check. Somebody else will get it. Probably Canopy or something will have it yeah, before we it know up. it. Anyway, back to Iron Man. I guess uh, I guess we don't have anything else for a minute fifty three, nope. huh, guys. <laughs> We get more Terrence Stamp tomorrow. Boo. <laughs> Terrence Howard, dude. Howard. <laughs> no, it's Terrence Stamp now. <laughs> Kneel before Zod. Kneel before War Machine. <laughs> War Machine rocks. Well, do you guys want to remind everybody where people can find you? Sure, I'd love to. We are at MinuteImpossible.com. You can go there and see all of our uh, episodes. You can uh, see all of our merchandise. We have T-shirts. Uh, if you're not listening to the podcast, you probably won't want the T-shirts yet, but listen to the podcast. And then the shirts make total sense. Yeah, you definitely want them after that. Yeah. And you can also <laughs> check out our Patreon and uh, yeah, iTunes. Uh, we're at Minute Impossible. We have 110 episodes of the first Mission Impossible movie. Go listen. You will enjoy it. It's a bunch of uh, goofballs talking, laughing, having a good time. Uh, and yeah, that's us. Go, go find us. Awesome. Well, everybody, that is it for today's show. Uh, so thank you so much for tuning in. Remember, make sure to subscribe to the show for free at marvelmovieminute.com. You can join us over in our Discord chat room and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at The Next Reel. And if you like what we do and you want to support us and get some cool stuff, become a patron over at patreon.com slash The Next Reel. Until next time, true believers. True believers.